Welcome everyone to Reflections with Raja. I am so excited and honored today to have uh, someone that is uh, an inspiration to me and so many people that I know in my life. Um, I've had the pleasure of knowing Dr. Maisha Beasley for uh, almost, if not over a decade. Uh, and every time we connect and talk, I just feel the sense of deep soul level rejuvenation. And I think that's something, at least for me, has been a gift. Um, so I'm so excited that she has agreed to be with us today. Uh, let's welcome Dr. Maisha Beasley. Hey, Raja. Thank you for Hi, having me. Hi, how are me. you today? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Um, so as you know, the purpose of this podcast is to really think about the power of storytelling and particularly oral histories um, in empowerment and advocacy work beyond just written word. Um, and so thank you for being here and thank you for thinking about how can storytelling be used as a, a source of healing in the work that we do and the way we walk and navigate the earth. Um, so tell me a little about uh, what's your story. Sure. Um, gosh, I was thinking about this last night when I was like reviewing the, the questions that you sent and it's like, okay, the long version or the short version? Because it could get pretty long-winded with the uh, just what I've experienced in my life. But I think, you know, the foundation of my existence has really been around my family. Uh, I have my mom comes from a large family. She's one of 12 siblings and I have 43 first cousins. Um, wow. I know, <laughs> no, 43 first cousins. Awesome. Uh, and then my dad is the only child. Um, and so my story really comes out of this uh, non-monolithic African-American woman um, story, you know, that I think is very interesting because I think it's a new story to be told as we have grown and um, as, a, as, a, as a people, you know, from the 60s and 70s, I was born at the end of the 70s. And, you know, I think in the 60s and 70s, people stuck with their community, they stayed with their community, they lived in their community. My parents are second generation San Franciscans. And so um, they were raised in the Fillmore District of San Francisco, which is largely Black uh, in uh, the 60s and 70s. And, you know, they were raised adjacent to Hayden Ashbury, the Hayden uh, Ashbury District. They were raised, you know, on the other side of Trail Hill and um, some of the more like Sunset District, some of the more uh, prominent uh, in expensive districts. And so I like to have this microcosm of a upbringing, my dad being more upper middle class and my mom being more middle class upbringing uh, produced me. So where, you know, what I've read in terms of the African-American woman's story from a higher ed perspective really is this monolithic deficit view, but mine was very different than that. It was reared, I guess I should say, in San Francisco and Oakland, and I was raised in Livermore, which is a very, like, one cow, one horse town, a little mm -hmm. bit east of Oakland, uh, and all three areas shaped me. Uh, having access was important to my, my family and my parents, even though they weren't together. Uh, having access to do things I wanted to do was really important to them. Being raised in a big family uh, and being the only child kind of for 10 years, I also was like around my cousins, so there was no ego involved. Uh, uh, and I think the intersectionality of my womanhood and my blackness and being raised in um, 
a pretty stable upper middle class environment all shaped who I am. Um, the last two things I'll say is like, I also don't fit this cookie cutter image of a black woman, you know, the way that black women are uh, polarized and shown in media. Um, and the re- and I say that because, you know, coming up in the early 80s, uh, the cousins that I hung out with were mostly boys. So um, I didn't really get into like being cute and makeup and wanting to dress up and all that stuff. So I was deep in my like high school years. I like to be like cute, but I don't like to be inconvenienced. Right. Um, it's like, yeah. I, I, and you know, to that point, like I love to be in the dirt. Um, I love to roll around in my big wheels with my cousins with my boy cousins. I loved He-Man. I loved watching wrestling and I also loved my cabbage patch. So like I still had like this nurturing piece of me, but like my cabbage patch might be on top of my Tonka truck. Um, <laughs> this is who I was and I loved it. Like my family never made me feel weird or out of place. Um, even as I developed, you know, into a young woman, they mm. never questioned my body image or made me feel less than because of my body image. I think those were things that were like put on me from outside society, like other uh, folks of color who I was in church with or that I was in community with, it would like make comments about my b- body, but I always had this sense of confidence based on like the women who raised me. And the last thing I'll say is like, yes, there were the boys, but there are also the women. And my mom being the youngest um, girl out of four sisters and eight brothers, um, I came up with this sense of being very protected, but also being raised by um, all of my aunties. And then all of their children, their oldest, or only child is a girl. So we were all raised as sisters more than we were as cousins. And I take a bit of each of them um, with me everywhere I go. My cousin Sharon taught me about African dancing and African culture and how to be cool and read books on the train. My cousin Rhonda taught me how to roller skate and, um, you know, give boys a side eye if they were coming on too strong. And my cousin T taught me everything cool, how to do makeup, how to drive, how to parallel park while looking cool. Um, and um, if boys were given the right amount of attention, how to flirt. Uh, and so I take a bit of them with me everywhere I go and utilize it in the work that I do with women of color. I love that. Lots of important life skills there. Exactly. Especially that parallel parking. <laughs> <laughs> I so appreciate the way you named kind of that, um, the interwovenness of these different lives and stories and the skills that have kind of become who you are. Right. And that, mm-hmm. that, um, the interconnectedness, uh, mm-hmm. family and, and such a beautiful family. Um, so I think one of the things that I always appreciate about you is, um, you're real in a lot of ways. Um, I, I think I, I, from the moment that we met, um, I think it's always been really clear about, um, the way you care for others, but also you're really clear about how you feel and how you fit in the world. And, and there's a groundedness that I think is, um, for me at least, often feels like it's a sign of having done your own work or, you know, and, and where you are. Um, and so I've always appreciated that. But in your own thoughts and words, what is your own gift to the world? Hmm. Uh, you know, I, I think what's interesting is Prior to 2016, I probably would have said it was being on a college campus and being a higher ed administrator who connected 
people to each other and systems to people. Um, I think after I got my doctorate, you know, it's interesting thing about this doctorate is you get it and you think, um, I need this thing to take me to the next thing that I'm going to do professionally, but you don't realize how much it really changes your perception of who you are and what you have to offer and how you like to do that. At least that was my experience. Um, Because right after I finished my doctorate, I wasn't able to like jump into an assistant dean role or an associate dean role. Um, My life took me on a very different path. And I think that led me to really understand what my gift and my calling is and my purpose is. And it really is to connect people to people um, and people to their own destinies and their own places in in the world and to show folks how small the world actually is. Um, And I know, again, I have to harken back to like the oral histories of my family and in particular my parents, because they both are connectors of people. Um, And it's not like I... maybe kind of saw it throughout the years, but for sure not with my dad, um, did not see that. So it had to be something inherent to me. Uh, For instance, I watched this movie Milk and I was just kind of talking to my dad about like, it was so interesting to like see San Francisco in the seventies and this movie about this man named Harvey Milk, who was an openly gay man who ran for blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh yeah, Harvey, just so very casually, you know, like, (laughs) how come you don't know Uncle Harvey? Like, it's like, wow. I don't know what's happening. And my dad is a little bit, he likes to be a little grandiose in his stories. And so I was like, this man probably don't know Harvey Milk. So I asked my mom about it. And she was like, oh, yeah, how do you know Harvey? I was like, I I don't really know Harvey. (laughs) Why is everybody so cavalier about this Harvey situation? She was like, oh, yeah, your daddy knew him. He was very, like, in in the in crowd and was connecting people to people. and, you know, even when I was with him uh, in the city, you know, a lot of times we'd go to eat and somebody would come up to him and be like, oh, you know, Herb, it's so good to see you. I'm like, how do you know all of these people? You know, <laughs> it's like very <laughs> awkward to me. It's like, is he a celebrity? And I just don't know, like, what's happening? And as I got older, I realized like a lot of the same thing would happen to me. And I think you've experienced this with me, you know, we'd be walking across campus and I probably stopped five or six times to say hi or give a hug or check in with someone. Um, And it's not because I want anything. I think networking gets a bad rap. Mm. Um, I network because I love people. I network because I believe in the power of human connection. Uh, and I think that that's my gift to the world. Like, I love it when somebody I know, knows somebody that I didn't know, um, Mm. and we wind up all finding a way together. And that has happened so many times to me, um, even in the last year that kind of solidifies for me that my gift isn't really about, um, systems or places, but it really is about human connection. I love that. That's beautiful. I, I, I definitely remember just walking across campus and, and just particularly um, seeing young women of color and the way mm-hmm. they reacted to you and the way, you know, the way you interact with them and for them to have that level of modeling. Um, I can just see that that has 
and just you know having continued relations with some of them mm -hmm. to see how that's been such a pivotal part of the way they think about themselves and their own worth and purpose in the world so yeah. that's really beautiful thank, thank you for, you for that. saying that <laughs> yeah um so and i think one of the other things i i have always appreciated is like you're uh, you're really clear about kind of your own purpose and and what you will do and how you will lead that purpose and, and live out that purpose. What is something that all of us can do um, that are listening to this podcast to make this world better? Hmm. I think I would say there's a couple of things I would say. One is letting go of your notion of what that looks like right now and being okay with mm -hmm. the way that that evolves over time. Um, when I was in high school, I thought I was going to work for a radio station here in the Bay Area called KML. I was a big hip hop head. Um, I thought I was going to be a public relations director for that particular, you know, uh, radio station. I even had an elevator pitch. Like, who, what wow. kid in junior year in high school has like an elevator pitch, right? <laughs> What are you going to do so when you grow up? <laughs> yeah. What are you going to do when you grow up? I'm going to be a public relations director for KMEL and I'm going to lead <laughs> all of their big events and work with direct artists, but in the background, not in the front. You know, I had like this whole elevator. It's like, I, I mean, that 11th grader, man, she believed in herself. <laughs> she, I love it. Um, but then when I failed the grammar, spelling, and punctuation test three times <laughs> in college. <laughs> And they told me I couldn't be a public relations anything because I didn't know grammar, spelling, or punctuation. Um, I was like, okay, well, what do you do now? And that was partially because I had dys I have dyslexia. And so, like, the test just, it didn't resonate with me. And it wasn't one of those things back in the day that you could use disability services for something that was like a, a university-wide standardized exam. Um, and so I had to pivot. Right. And there was a lot of shame and embarrassment going along with my 11th grade elevator speech that was going up in flames. And so I think I had to let go. And I found something so much more beautiful. Like, I, you know, um, I think maybe it's important to mention Mike Minharis and he'd be fine with me mention his name. He was my first uh, real mentor in, uh, at, in undergrad. And I would go in his office and he'd have on jeans and a polo every day. And it was like, you, you get paid to play every day. It's like the way I saw it in my head. <laughs> like, you know, like you, you get to like tell people to give tours to people around campus and like during orientation I felt like that was play like I know we got paid for it but I felt like I was playing all summer and I felt like he was the leader of playing you know and I was like well how you do that <laughs> you know and then I saw like the public relations pieces of that and um and he was like you know you have to let go of your dreams so that God can bring uh so that God can dream bigger dreams for you, you know? And he is like, your goal should be to leave a heart, a heart print on people's lives, not to leave a handprint in their pockets. And I was just like, God, Mike, with the good stuff, you know? Um, wow. And, you know, I, so I think at that point I like let go. And then I've had to like, over the years, really continually find ways to let go of whatever I thought was supposed to be and be okay with what is. So I think that would be the first thing. I think the second thing that I would share is purpose can change over time. Mm. 
Um, I don't think we are stuck to one purpose because of a degree that we hold or a job that we have. Um, I think my purpose in my 20s was to be a youth pastor at my church, you know, um, and impact kids that way. Uh, and when that was done, it was time to move to UCLA. And my purpose was to impact parents uh, for a time, right? Um, and build connections there. But the the underlying calling or vision for my life is to connect people. My purpose in terms of like how that is accomplished can change over time. So I think also being okay with like, keep the vision the same, Mm. but the purpose can evolve over time. Right. Um, And one of my, again, other mentors who I think would be fine with me mentioning her name. um, And I, you know, like to have rights to the fact that I'm in the line of Dr. Lori White. (laughs) Um, Yes. President White. President White now. um, (laughs) And her mentor, um, who she's shared, you know, with public spaces, it was Condoleezza Rice. So um, she said, you know, Condi told me one time, and I'm going to tell you, <laughs> don't be concerned with the path to the destination because it could look very zigzaggy up and down. Be concerned with the destination itself. And so I think that that would be the last piece of advice that like resonated so deeply with me as a person who likes to have a clear path um, in front of me. Uh, even though I can let go of like, okay, I'm not going to be a public relations director. I'm going to be a student affairs, you know, professional. Okay. I'm not going to just be a student affairs professional orientation, but I'll be doing it in parents. Okay. Oh, now I'm working with women of color exclusively. And I never thought that that would be the case. Like that hasn't been so hard for me, but like having a clear path of upward mobility has always been like part of my purpose. Uh, But now the destination is like to be a good human who connects humans to each other in a way that changes the trajectory of everyone's life for the better. That's Mm -hmm. for me, the vision, the purpose and how that's done. I don't know that I would say I'm stuck to that. Yeah, I love that. There's so much wisdom there. I I so appreciate that. Just this idea of um, if we can really hone in on what is the, the core, then the path and all the other pieces just kind of will will reveal itself as it goes and Mm -hmm. the fact they can adapt and modify and grow as we grow and modify and Mm -hmm. and acclimate to the various things that life throws at us right yeah absolutely i love that that's awesome um so in doing this work what nourishes you at, at whatever level body spirit mind yeah i love to laugh like I think if I if there was a professional laughers association that I could just like get paid to laugh I would do that I love that (laughs) (laughs) like like where can somebody tell me where the professional laughers go (laughs) because I love it that's happening on this podcast we're starting the international laughers association yes charter members right now um i that's like one of my favorite things to do like i find myself to be very silly and i find that that nourishes me quite a bit um i think the other thing that nourishes me is my family like we are crazy as betsy bugs but we (laughs) have so much fun together 
like we have an internal family game that if you're not in our family, you don't know about the game. And so I can't tell you, but it is a game that has been going on since the sixties and it's a variation of tag and we are very serious about it. There are uh, board members. There are bylaws. (laughs) There, There are like, people who you know can call somebody out for something if it doesn't go the way that you thought it should um we are very serious about this game i'm intrigued now now i'm gonna have to figure out a way to like become part of the podcast off the podcast they're already part of the family but i can't broadcast it to the world Um, but like we are very serious about this game like people have been kidnapped people have been put on like restriction from playing the game like it's been a whole thing um and so I love that about us, right? Because mm. like we are so big and vast, but we love so hard and it's so evident, you know? Mm. So like my family definitely nourishes me. Um there's never a dull moment, I could tell you that. Um I think the other thing that nourishes me is my sister circle. Oh, I think I, you know, I can go from laughter to cry in a moment because I'm a Pisces, but like mm. I don't think I would I know that I would not be a well person without those women um, in the way that they show up for me um, in the way that they care for me, the way that we care for each other. And um, my, our model is we lift each other up and hold each other down. Mm. Um, they nourish me. And then like physically, like I've just gotten into re- working out like orange theory is my new boo, you know? Um, and, Oh, I guess I should also say like, the male friends in my life are like really important to me um in a way that like I think you know in my girlfriend group like a lot of them say like you're one of the only one of us who has like male friends and as you know like I got a lot of male identified (laughs) um friends who you know also lift me up and hold me down and also call me out but I can also be like this more testosterone male induced person you know a little bit um and uh and I love that I love that part of my friendship with them so I think you know working out my friends my family laughter which now we have an association for those are all the things that nourish me in my life I love that that's awesome You've talked so much about the power of community and how the the ability to connect is is one of your special powers, right? Mm -hmm. Or superpowers. Um, When you think about the world that we're in right now, who Mm -hmm. inspires you? Hmm. Hmm. You know, I'm going to tell you who inspires me like right this moment is my niece. Hmm. Listen, Story time. Please, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Easter Sunday, um, I was, you know, spending some time at my brother's and uh, woke up and my niece was like, it's Easter. This is what was going on. So I have a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old niece. She's like, it's Easter time. I was like, yep, it's Easter, but it's also COVID, baby. The Rona's here. Ain't nobody going nowhere. She's like, yes, but it's Easter. And so I'm getting dressed for Easter and so she brought in three outfits for us to choose (laughs) which outfit she 
she was going to wear. Um, me and my older niece weren't quite interested in her fashion choices. So she uh, called her Nana Yo, which is my mom. And it was like, if y'all don't want to oblige me, Nana Yo will. So we FaceTime with Nana Yo and she modeled all three dresses. Mm, nice. <laughs> Made a decision, asked if she should wear her scarf or not wear the scarf along with it. And I said to her, you know, we're going to go walk the dog later on. She said, well, I will change out of my Easter clothes <laughs> and go walk the dog. <laughs> and then when we come back, I'll put my Easter clothes back on. And that is exactly what she did. Like, I, I have never met such a sure assured seven-year-old in my life like it was mm. there were all kinds of life lessons in there right like I don't care nothing about this Rona I'm still getting dressed <laughs> mm. I don't care anything about what is happening on in the world like I still want to live my life as though life is not shut down because it's not shut down for me it might be shut down out on the outside, but my spirit is not shut down, right? Mm-hmm. And she sat there in her full-on Easter outfit with her scarf on and I ate Easter it. dinner. And it was, like, just this lesson in, like, of seeing life through a kid's eyes. Like, I'm not phased by the world as long as I feel safe at home. Mm, you know and so she really and she really I mean that little girl I mean both of my nieces um bring me to tears and make me weep but in that moment even when I saw her last week she was still full-on dressed for school school is at home but she was (laughs) (laughs) full-on dressed for school ready for me to paint her nails like you you're not going nowhere but okay (laughs) Let's do it, girl. Um, yeah. So I think she's who inspires me right now. I love that. That's so beautiful. And so many beautiful messages in that little moment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's awesome. Is there anything else that you wanted to share? Anything that comes to mind? Um, I'm so proud of you for you. doing this. Like, you're right. Oral histories matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and media in the way that it's so accessible to all of us now um is such a beautiful thing because we get to take snapshots of where we were in in life and not being worried about where or how or when um this will flourish because it will flourish in due season um but saying like this is what my spirit is leading me to do now this to do now and to pick intentionally women of color um, because those are people who I know have fed your life and giving you strength and lifted you up and held you down is such a powerful testament to who you are as a spirit, not just as a person. And so I'm really proud of you for taking the leap and you inspire me every day and twice on Sundays. <laughs> Thank you. I so appreciate that. Um, and, and you know, um, you mean the world to me, Maisha, and I just feel lucky that our paths have crossed and you continue to inspire me um, every time we talk, every time, and, you know, you're in my thoughts, and um, keep on trying that light uh, and being who you are and making this world better and being that connector um, 
and thank you so much for taking time to be a part of this episode today um, and look forward to another episode of Reflections with Raja. Um, check out the link for more information about Dr. Beasley and all the work that she's doing and we will join you on another episode. Thank you.